which comes to us uh, from the third chapter of Paul's letter uh, to the Colossians. So I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word as we go there again to the third uh, chapter of Colossians. Reading verses 1 through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, You have given to us these words on this day uh, that uh, we might be blessed through them. And to God we pray through the power of Your Holy Spirit that You apply Your Holy Word unto each one gathered here. Again, that we might live lives of thanksgiving and of grace. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Again, as we think about uh, what it means to have been baptized, one of the key things we focused on is this idea that we've been baptized into something. And there's a reason why in the Scriptures there's, there's no sense that anyone can be baptized uh, either by themselves or just at random. You are baptized into the kingdom of God. That's why ordinarily, as we see in the Scriptures, when men and women are baptized, they are members of the local church. But they're not just members of the local church. Again, that's, that's not really how it's, it's represented. They are members of the body of Christ. Of the worldwide church, if you will. What's one of the things we believe as Christians is, is, first of all, there's no such thing as kind of a lone ranger Christian. Nobody is a, a kind of a Christian unto themselves. And likewise, when we're baptized into this body of believers, into the kingdom of God, we are no longer individuals. But again, notice what Paul says at the end of this passage. It, it echoes something that he says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. 
And again, in both of these places, he's making a point about who we are today. And we may have been Scythians. I don't know if anybody here uh, has a Scythian uh, background. And if you're wondering what that might be, uh, it's somebody from Western Asia. It was one of the tribes in that area. Now, I know many of us have, have a Celtic background. Well, the Scythians were one of the Celtic tribes in that part of the world. Of course, the Celtic tribes eventually made their way up to the British Isles. Sometimes we wonder where we fit in the Bible. Well, for for those of you who have that ancestry, well, you get mentioned here today. And, And what is Paul saying about the Scythians and the barbarians? What's he saying about the slaves and the freedmen? What is he saying about uh, these men and these women? What is their identity? That's how he begins this passage, talking about who they are. That they're no longer these things. They are in Christ. And if they're in Christ, what are they? They are one together in Him. Now again, we may not understand the physics of that, right? If we had minds like Nicodemus, we'd be wondering, well, how can we all fit together? Is the Christian faith kind of like one big Voltron? Or one big Transformer or something like that? Is that that meaning here? Well, of course, that's not what Paul means here. It's not what the Bible teaches, that we kind of morph into this super Christian. Again, this idea is, is that we who have died to the flesh, died to the old man, died to our former manner of life, have been wholly transformed, wholly changed into new creatures. Creatures who are no longer identified by their, by their skin color or by their, uh, by their, uh, by their gender or by their uh, particular uh, place of birth. But they are Christians that they are members of a higher kingdom. One of, the, uh, one of those old uh, dead white men I like to read, this, this fellow by the name of Augustine, uh, wrote a book called The City of God. And uh, this book uh, makes a point to, 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 to point out the differences between the city of man and the city of God. And Augustine, when he talks there, he, he's not meaning that we're meant to kind of form uh, this earthly city. That we're not meant to kind of leave the cities that we live in and then form this political city of God uh, where everything's going to be hunky-dory. Because, of course, what do we know about ourselves? What happens if you get two Christians together in a room? What do you have? You have two sinners, right? What happens if you get a couple billion Christians together? What do you have? You have a couple billion sinners. That's not what Paul, and it's not what Augustine was talking about there. Again, the understanding here is, is that we who have have died to sin, who have died to the old man, again, no longer are to see ourselves as we once were. We're no longer to understand ourselves as we were before we came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, this has a profound impact on how we live as Christians. Because Paul, in Colossians 3 in this part, will will do one of his vice lists. 
And we see this in Ephesians chapter 4, for example, a similar list. Where Paul is saying, look, Ephesians, look, Colossians, if you claim to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're not supposed to blaspheme. You're not supposed to allow filthy language out of your mouth. You're not supposed to lie to one another. Again, these are the kind of things that, you know, as we sit here today, we say, well, of course. Of course Christians aren't supposed to lie to one another. Of course we're not to speak with filthy mouths. Of course we're, we're not to blaspheme. You know, Paul, why, why do you even need to say this? Isn't this obvious? Well, if we learn anything in the Bible, if the Lord God tells us something, what does that mean? It means we're not doing it, Right? It means that the people of Colossae are lying. The people of Colossae are backbiting. The people of Colossae are, uh, are, are acting as the sons of disobedience. And, and, and why is this the case? Why are the Colossians behaving in this way? Well, again, that's what the, the second chapter of Colossians is all about. Yeah, they're acting this way because they have failed to see the fullness of of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. They failed to see that the wisdom of God is greater than the wisdom of men. They've allowed these false prophets, these false teachers, to come into the body, into the local church. And as I shared with the children, we we kind of somewhat use the, 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 the comical example of bacon because that's kind of many of our favorite thing in the world. But this was a serious problem. The people of Colossae were, were, didn't know what to do. Because Paul had told them that they were free from the strictures of the old covenant law. Again, you, you, you think of the vision that Peter receives in the book of Acts where we see the, the sheet come down from heaven. And what's on the sheet? All the good food, right? And Peter, as Peter is wont to do, says, are you sure about this? You know, I, I, I've been kosher my whole life, and uh, it, it seems the right thing to do. And of course, God tells Peter, as He often does to Peter, shh, and listen. And we see in the midst of that, and we see Peter then go and eat with Cornelius, enjoy the fellowship of the saints uh, in Cornelius' home. But what else do we see from Peter later on? In the book of Galatians, we see that Peter, uh, when uh, the Gentiles come to Antioch, what, what does Peter do? Peter says, well, you know, uh, you know I'm hanging out over here with my, my, my uh, Israelite buddies. And I don't want to be seen with these Gentiles. And again, what's the problem in, in Peter's mind there? What, what does Paul say to him in Galatians 2 as he's chastising him? And deservedly so. What was he saying to him? He, he says to him, Peter, have you forgotten the gospel? Have you forgotten what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you? Again, he has fulfilled those laws. He has done those things. Again, not so that Peter could eat bacon. Right? That's not the goal. That's not the, the purpose of these things. The purpose of these things, again, is to show. Again, the nature of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross. And all these old covenant things that God had given to the Jews to do, again, were, as I told the children, to set them apart from the nations around them. 
And again, that idea did not change in the New Covenant. And how are we to be separate from the nations around us? Again, it's not based on what we eat or what we wear or, 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 or these things, but it's how we react to what Jesus Christ has done for us. And that's, that's why it's so important to always keep the law in its, in its right place. Because when the law gets moved from its right place, it becomes a burden on us. And that's, that's one of the things we, we hear there in Matthew chapter 11. And what does Jesus say in Matthew chapter 11? Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. He says again, take my yoke upon me. Right? And, and what does He mean by that? Yeah, he, 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 he's saying, look, I have come to relieve you from these things. Don't put them back on. Again, that's what's happening at Colossae, and that's what's happening uh, at Ephesus, and that's what's happening at Galatia. Again, they want to keep running back to the Old Testament law, thinking that the keeping of these things are going to save them. When what truly saves them is the full measure of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done at the cross of Calvary. And as those who have been saved by the blood of the Lamb, those who have been changed, those who have had the sign of the Lord God put on them in baptism, we must be watchful in the midst of our Christian lives to consider again what is it that we have been saved from and what have we been saved into. Again, we need to understand salvation not only as the washing of the blood of the Lamb, Again, we're not just washed clean. Because if that was the case, then all of us would be just like the men at the end of 2 Peter chapter 2. You know what it says there? What, what, what do they do? What are they called? You know, the, 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 they're called the, these, these cleaned sows. And what do the clean sows do? They go right back into the mire. You know, the, the dogs, what do they do? That, as Paul quotes from the Old Testament there, he says, the dogs return to their vomit. And both of those images are meant to gross us out. Right? They're meant to cause us to take a step back. Because those are unpleasant things. Again, when we think about who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ, what have we been saved from and what we're saved into, again, the helpful part of looking back at our baptism is remembering again that we are not who we were before. Right? We're not Scythians. We're not barbarians. And of course, we usually use that word barbarian in a negative light. Paul doesn't necessarily mean it that way. Barbarian was just a, a way to speak of those who were outside the empire. Right? You had citizens and you had barbarians. And again, barbarians, like I said, we, we've kind of taken that word to mean uncultured people. Right? People who, who don't act right. You know, they act like barbarians. They act like savages. Yeah, and that's not necessarily what Paul means here, but it's, it's worthwhile to consider that for a moment. And Paul is saying, look, y'all. And I, I think Paul probably used the word y'all. <laughs> He's a good southern boy. Hey, he, uh, he looked to him and said, look, y'all need to quit living like you're Scythians. You need to quit living like you are barbarians. You need to live like you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And one of the ways in which Paul will illustrate this in his letter to the, the first, the, to the, his first letter to Corinth is he will use this example of fornication, this, this example of sexual immorality. In 1 Corinthians 6, he will talk about a man who lies with a prostitute. And, 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 and what Paul says there is you are bringing Jesus into that act. That is what, again, he's using an evil thing, a gross thing, in order to shock us into reality. To help us to understand, again, what it means to be in the Lord Jesus Christ is it means to have the Lord Jesus in us. It means to have, again, the presence of the Lord in us. It means that we are no longer, again, these men who are inhabited by these worldly characteristics. We are inhabited by the heavenly things, by the pure things, by the holy things, by the righteous things. Again, that's, that's one of the reasons why Paul in this passage will use uh, that, that, the, that example of the filthy language out of your mouth. Because again, it, the, the point that Paul's making here is not just that we shouldn't cuss. And well, we shouldn't cuss. You know, I don't want to be confused by saying it's okay to do that. But you know, it, well, the point that Paul is making here is the same that Jesus makes in Mark chapter 7. Because remember in Mark chapter 7, Jesus talking to the Jews and the Gentiles is declaring all foods clean. Right? And because the, the Pharisees are once more getting at them for not doing what they say ought to be done. And we see that Jesus tells them it's not what goes into a man and defiles him, but what comes out of him. And so what does filthy language here represent? Again, it represents the wickedness of a heart that knows not the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, knows not the blessings of the Lord Jesus Christ, it knows not the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because again, think about what that metaphor, what that, that, that picture is representing. Because what, what do we speak from? I'll speak from the mouth. But you know, what, what generates our speech? What generates our, our, our conversation? Again, it's what's going on in here. It's what's operating in our mind. And so that's one a helpful way for us to think about this. Again, if our minds are full of wickedness, full of vicious things, full of evil things, full of foul things, then what's going to come out of our mouth? And when we think of, uh, of young children, again, young children, how do they learn to talk? And they learn to talk from watching their parents speak. They learn uh, from the television speaking. They learn uh, from the examples around them. Again, they take in what they see. And they, they're, they're exhibiting, uh, again, the, the nature of the world around them. And the same is, is true for believers. When we think about the nature of what we've been called to do as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, again, what is it that we should be filling our minds with? It's not just that we should stay away from a wicked and evil television. Again, that's, that's, that's true, but that's not really the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is, is that what it represents, again, is this, this misunderstanding, this misplaced understanding of who we are. And we think of the Lord Jesus Christ, again, the, the perfect example. 
How was it uh, that the words that exited His mouth at every moment of every day were the, 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 the perfections of uh, the, the, the words uh, that He spoke? Again, the reason that is is because His mind was what? Held captive to the Word of God. Again, that's something the Apostle Paul uh, will, will lay out in the book of Romans. Again, what are we called to do? Again, we're not only called to hold every thought captive to the Word of God, uh, to the example of God, but again, the reason for that is because of who we are in the Lord Jesus. Again, we don't do these things just because God tells us we have to. Again, that is the spirit of the Pharisees. That's the spirit of uh, those who have placed the law in the wrong place. Again, we are not servants of the law. We are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, we serve as He has shown us to serve. Again, we are following the example of our Savior. And this is what Paul is driving home in this passage to the Colossians. Again, he says, If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Again, all of these do not do these things are all following this reminder of the promise of God. This reminder that we are no longer these people we used to be. For those people are dead. And what does the Bible say about dead people? What do we say about dead people? Can the dead speak? Well, no. Well, I mean, that's, that's like one of these obvious things. Of course the dead cannot speak. That's one of the reasons why uh, when uh, the, we, we see Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, you know, they're so taken aback because uh, Moses and Elijah are dead, aren't they? But what are they? They're alive. And why are they alive? Because they're in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they, these men of the Old Testament, had been saved by the same blood of the Lamb that all of us are saved in. Even when our bodies die, where do we go? What do the Scriptures say? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Again, we are alive even in our death. And this is one of the reasons, again, that, that Paul is, is bringing up the resurrection once more. Again, placing the resurrection and baptism in a common view. Because that's what baptism represents. Again, it represents not only the fact that the sign of the covenant of God has been placed on this child or placed on this individual. Again, it's a statement of our faith and our trust in the reality of what Christ has done for that person. Again, that's not saying again that the actual laying on of water is what saves us. But again, it's a statement of the nature of the promises of God. And again, as we, as we think about these things, and as we you know, consider that, again, this is what grounds our right behavior. This is why we do what God says for us to do. Again, we're not doing it in order to earn God's favor. We do it because God has already shown His favor to us. You know, think again about who we were before we came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Again, we, we, you know, even if you came to faith as a very young child or came to faith as an, as an infant, again, you know, there are many of you, I'm sure, who can testify that there was not a day that you did not know that Jesus Christ was Lord. And again, we, we, we can think of these things, but again, you, know, you, you consider the nature of, of, of the unbelieving world around us. Again, what moves them to act in the wicked way that they do? It's not just because they haven't considered their baptism. It's because they, again, they, they not only allow these things, but they have within themselves, again, the seat of darkness, the seat of wickedness. Again, out of their heart moves these things. And so we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. If we want to obey the commandments of God, how is it that we are to do so? Again, it's to look back at what the Lord Jesus has done. It's to be grounded in the resurrection. It's to be grounded in our identity in the Lord Jesus. Again, what enables us to not have filthy mouths? What enables us to not commit adultery? What enables us uh, to not steal from our neighbors? What enables us to not lie about one another? And what is it that moves us in these things? Again, it's, it's not that we're afraid of being caught. It's not because that's how good people act. It's because of who we are in Jesus Christ. It's because of who we are in the eternal promises of God. And that's one of the reasons why Paul will tell the Colossians to quit looking at the earth. Again, he's not saying quit looking down. What he's saying is, is quit having your heart, your mind, your soul focused upon the things that are passing away. But as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as those who have been baptized, those who have been raised from the dead, and where is our home? Where is our destiny? Where is the place that we are going? For the Scythian, where was he going? He was was where he was supposed to be, right? He was in Scythia. The barbarians where they were supposed to be. What does Paul tell us again in the book of Hebrews? That this isn't our home, right? We're pilgrims on the way. We are are seeking a better country. We are seeking that city of God. We are seeking those heavens that have been established from the foundation of the world. Again, these are the things that enable us to live as those who desire the things of the Lord, who love the things of heaven, who love the commandments of God. Again, what does Jesus tell us in the Gospel of John? What what differentiates Christians from non-Christians? If you love me, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to love my commandments. Again, when we think of the word love, you know, we, 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 especially in our culture today, we've, we've confused love. It, it doesn't really mean anything, right? You know, you, to love something means really just to kind of like something. To prefer something. But again, what, how does Jesus use that word? Well, think how He describes it. Uh, what, what is no greater love than to lay down your life for your friend? What has uh, the Lord Jesus called all of His disciples to? To lay down their lives, right? To pick up their cross and follow Him. To deny yourself. And what does that mean? If, you know, we, we hear those things a lot, Right? That we're supposed to deny ourselves, pick up our cross. And again, we usually use those terms in a negative way. Because we think of Jesus carrying His cross on the way to Calvary. 
And when we think of Jesus struggling and Simon and Cyrene coming alongside Him, but when we think about the true nature of that, what does it mean for us to carry our cross? And it means for us to look back at the man, uh, the God-man who carried that cross for us. In the Lord Jesus Christ, who bore the wrath of God upon Himself for our sins. Again, we're not called to more works in order to gain the blessings of God. Again, we, we have to keep again the law in its proper place. Again, the law for us is a blessing. Because we're no longer held by the ever-changing wisdom of the world which seems to be changing faster and faster and faster. Again, we almost don't know what is right. Because our culture can't decide what's right. That's one of the confusing things about the time in which we live. Again, what was right yesterday may never be right tomorrow. And if we try to follow the wisdom of the world, it's like trying to nail the proverbial jello to the wall. And we, we, when we think we got it, well, there it goes. And we pick it up and we try to do it again and, well, there it goes. How can you live like that? Well, the simple answer is you can't live like that. And that's what Paul is telling the people of Colossae. Look, you cannot just follow whoever it is that walks into the city that day. Whether they have this, this you know, Judaizing spirit telling you that you can't eat bacon. Whether it's the philosopher at Athens who comes in and tells you that, that, that true knowledge is knowledge of self. Or that true happiness is virtue. Because again, there's no happiness in that. There's no joy in that. And when we read the Scriptures, where, where is our joy? Where is our happiness? Where is our peace? Where is our comfort? Is it in the keeping of the law? Is it in, uh, in the, the kind of extra works that we do from day to day? The, the Scriptures are unified in the message. Our hope, our peace, our comfort, our happiness, our joy are found alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so brothers and sisters, as we go from this place today, as we, we think about you know, what it means to not have a filthy mouth, as we think what it means to not commit fornication and cleanness and passion and evil desire and covetousness, and let us remember what, what Paul says there. You're going to have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of Him who created him. Again, that's our foundation. That we've been created by the Lord our God. Again, not just in flesh. But that we have had the very breath of life breathed into us by the life-giving God. And what has that accomplished for us? Again, we have been given this kingdom where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave nor free. But Christ is all and in all. So again, as we go from this place, again, let Christ be our all in all. Let the goodness of the cross be that hope upon which we cling. 
Let the comfort of our peace, the comfort of our lives, the witness of the world around us be the testimony of what comes out of our heart. That we rest body and soul because of our Savior Jesus Christ. Of the fullness of His work and the eternal promise that He has gifted and granted unto His people. That we will go from this place and we will go unto the heavens that God has made for us. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father,